0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. We are jumping back into the book of Hebrews, and I am super excited to continuing to point a light at Jesus Christ and all that we do and all that we say. And so as you turn there, let me set up our time for us this morning. It was a couple weeks back in which I had to go to a place I had never been to before. Uh, It was downtown Dallas. And so I did what all of us do when we're going to a place we haven't been to before. I got in my car, pulled out my phone and put the directions into Google Maps. And then like 30 seconds later, my phone died. I had forgotten to charge it the night before. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there in my car needing to go from point A to point B, but my navigational Gandalf just died on me. Uh, This little device that was gonna get us to where I needed to be from point A to point B all of a sudden went away and I just sat there, like confused, like what do I do now? Like, do I just go home? Do I call this person? No, I can't call this person. They're gonna think I'm dead. Like, I just didn't know what to do, how to get from point A to point B. And so I paused and I just thought, what did people do before the iPhone? How did they get to places? How did they navigate this strange world? And then it dawned on me, little high school Derek, little college Derek, what did he do? MapQuest. Now, some of you have no idea what MapQuest is. Let me tell you, children. Now, back in the day, there was this website you could go to. You could point in where you were, where you wanted to go, and it would navigate you through this strange world, and you could print off directions of how to navigate from where you were, where you want to go, and so that's what I did. I went and printed this thing off, and I just was like geeked out about the idea of the challenge, you know? Could I actually do it? because I didn't have what was always navigating me before. And so I did it. I printed this off, I got in my car and I started going to my location. And what I forgot uh, was what the early 2000s was all about, which was a lot of confusion and uh, a lot of uh, what was the best at the time, uh, but not the best for where we've come to, right? And so I all of a sudden, as I was using this to navigate, I began to realize, okay, um, this is not taking into account traffic or detours, both of which I encountered. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of some neighborhood. I'm not supposed to be in a neighborhood. I'm supposed to be in a warehouse district. And I'm in some person's neighborhood. And I'm just driving like, how do I get to? And I'm like like looking at the directions and trying to navigate this strange world. And I'm like looking at the sun and being like, well, the sun sets in the west. And so I'm supposed to go east. And how does this work? Like all of a sudden, I'm going, okay, this is not safe. Staring at directions, reading them off while you're supposed to be driving. And all of a sudden, after that glorious experience, I was like an hour late. And I'd gotten lost, I was stressed, I was overwhelmed, and I praised the good Lord for the superiority of Google Maps on my phone. And I swore that day I would never go back, right? Because why do that? Why go back to something inferior when you have the superiority in front of you? Why go back to MapQuest or printing off Google Maps when you have Google Maps on your phone? Why go back to MySpace? It's bringing some of you back right now. Why go back to MySpace when you got Instagram at your access? You can follow us at CityBridgeCC, just shameless plug for us. Why go back to MySpace when you got the superiority of Instagram? Why go back to dial-up internet? Y'all remember dial-up internet? Remember how amazing it was to get those little CDs in the mail, America Online, and then you put it in, and then you connected it to your phone, and then it sounded like a, an elephant was getting strangled for like 35 seconds? And then you got online and maybe you had mail or maybe you didn't. Who knows? The anticipation was killing you, right? Why go back to this when all of a sudden you have Wi-Fi connected to every single thing, right? Why go back to Napster when you got Spotify? One, it's illegal. There was a law, you know, lawsuit in the late 2000s that, you know, told us that we sh- you know, that was a big no-no to, to download illegal. But why go back? Why? Because you have something superior. Why go back to Canes? <laughs> the people I've spoken. I'm sorry. When Chick-fil-A just moved into town. All right. Too soon. Too soon. All right. Now, why am I saying all of this? Well, because why go back to that which is inferior? when you have the access to that is, which is superior, we don't do that with anything. We don't do that with technology. We don't do that with anything in our life. And yet the th- main thing we actually do it with is the most supreme, superior reality in the universe. And that's Jesus Christ that we have access to the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, the most supreme being in all the universe, the most superior thing that's ever been or ever will be in all of creation. He is the most supreme thing. And yet the reality of it is our hearts drift back to that which is inferior when the superior, superiority of Christ is right before us. And so last week we jumped into the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, the author is writing to a group of people that are being tempted to drift backwards. An old way of life, an old way of thinking, an old way of things before they met Jesus, something that was inferior to the superiority of Jesus Christ. And he's looking at them and as a good pastor, he is longing for them to not drift back to the my space of life, but to lean in and to know the supreme reality of all things. And that is Jesus Christ. And so what the author of Hebrews does throughout the entire book of Hebrews is he will lift our gaze to see Jesus for all that he is and all that he's done. But then as he lifts our eyes to look at Jesus, he'll look us in the eye. he'll say, don't drift away, draw near because Jesus is better, he's better. And so we summarize the entire book of Hebrews that way. Don't drift away from Jesus, draw near to Jesus because Jesus is better. He's just better. And yet our hearts keep drifting back to that, which is inferior. But Jesus is the most supreme reality of all things. And so his heart is that we would draw near to him, that we would draw near to him. And so one of the main ways that the author of Hebrews does that is just keep comparing Jesus to everything that came before Jesus. They'll do these side-by-side comparisons over and over and over again. And the idea is that not that these things were bad or wrong, but rather he goes, okay, you like Moses? Then you're gonna love Jesus. You like the law? You're gonna love Jesus. You thought the angels were cool? The uh, the prophets were amazing? Look at Jesus. You wanna, you, you thought the temple was amazing? Look at Jesus. He's gonna keep going back and forth between the things that came before and Jesus. And so when we opened up the book last week, we saw in the first four verses that Jesus was supreme to the prophets. And they gave us these seven reasons why Jesus is better, namely than the prophets. These people that spoke on behalf of God. And there was these seven specific reasons. Seven was the number of of completion or wholeness in the Jewish thought. And so there was this complete thought, Jesus is better than the prophets, those that spoke on behalf of God that came before us. And if you thought, man, that was amazing. And that was so much, well, the author is just getting warmed up because in the rest of the first chapter, he's gonna give us seven Old Testament quotes showing that Jesus is better, namely than the angels. And so you have seven reasons why Jesus is better. Then you have seven quotes showing us that Jesus is better. That the overwhelming reality, both with who Jesus is and then everything that came before is shining a light on the person of Jesus going, he is better. And I want you to see the totality of why he's better in the first four verses. And then continuing on as the Old Testament shines a light on the person of Jesus Christ. And so this week, they're gonna compare Jesus, namely to the angels that Jesus is better than the angels. Now, why angels? Well, the word angel literally means messenger. And a messenger was someone who takes a message from one person, one party and delivers it to another. so as you read your Bible, the angels were those that took a message from God who were there to worship and serve God, but then would take messages from God and deliver them to God's people. And so a messenger conveys a message and those messages will guide us and direct us and give us paths to go on. And so the heart of God is that he desires to communicate to us, to his people. And in chapter one of Hebrews, we see he's done it through the prophets. Now he's done it through the angels, but the superiority of Jesus in the very first verse is he's done it now through his Son. And so in the ancient world, angels were regarded highly because of how God used them, but they were always subservient to the person of Christ. And so depending on your background, we in our kind of Christian community either will ignore angels, even though they're all over your Bible, or will idolize them. Like some people pray to angels, which angels are always like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. I'm a servant alongside of you next to the holy and almighty God. Some people think angels are like little bitty babies with, you know, like wings and you put them on a Hallmark card and, We just got bad theology wrapped around them. Some of us think that we'll become angels when we die. None of that is in the Bible, but the reality of it is that angels were powerful. They were wise, they spoke on behalf of God. And so angels existed and still exist to worship God, to serve God and to declare God's message. And so in these people's worldview, angels were a really big deal. And the author of Hebrews is gonna put the angels next to Jesus and go, okay, let's see which one's better. Now I'm imagining that most of us didn't wake up this morning with the temptation to fall on our knees and worship Gabriel or worship Michael, the archangels in our scriptures. I'm imagining many of us aren't going, man, I'm so tempted to be pulled away from the supremacy of Jesus because of my, my understanding of the angelic world. I mean, I don't think that's many of us in here, but if angels are those that give messages, I'm imagining that many of us hear messages all the time. The world is noisy with messages. And some of those messages are objectively sinful. They're wanting to pull you away from the person of Jesus. The world, the flesh, the devil, they're conspiring going, how do we pull God's people away from the person of Jesus so that they can kind of just live a lackluster life. But I think for many of us, it's not necessarily the sinful messages that are coming after for us. It's actually the good ones, but just the ones that are inferior. And so if we're not careful I hear it from a lot of us all the time. Man, did you hear what this person said? Did you read what that person wrote? Did you listen to this podcast? And if we're not careful, we can be consumed with Christian advice, Christian messages, Christian music, Christian little celebrity pastors, all the while missing out on the person of Christ himself. Jesus is not information to consume. He is a person to know to walk with, to experience. And all the information in the world about how to live a good Christian life is simply inferior to the superiority of Christ himself. And so a lot of us have been listening to the eight-track tape of Christianity. And the author is knocking on it on our door. And so we should listen, because Jesus is the better messenger. And that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. Now, before we dive into our passage, like I said, there's seven quotes from the Old Testament in here. And one of the things we wanted to use in the book of Hebrews is how do we use Hebrews as a lens and to see the Old Testament? Because that's what the book of Hebrews keeps doing. And there's seven quotes right here from the Old Testament. And so there's a couple of things we need to understand about our Old Testament. First, we need to understand how to understand the Old Testament. How do we understand these 39 books from Genesis to Malachi? How do we understand what's going on there? Because a lot of us think of them as these like good little moral stories that we can tell our kids about how to be good people. And that's not what your Bible is. The Bible is not moral imperatives for you to be a better person. Jesus, when he came, he lived a perfect life that we cannot, he died the death we deserve. He rose victoriously and then he had a Bible study. He actually pulled his disciples in. And one of my favorite passages in scripture is Luke 24, when Jesus said to them, these are my words I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so according to Jesus, what is the Old Testament about? It's about him. You see the Moses and the prophets and Psalms, that was a synonym for the totality of the Old Testament. And Jesus just goes, hey, the entirety of the Old Testament is about me. Jesus is kind of a big deal. That the entire course of all of human history is leading towards this one person. And so as you read your Old Testament, if you're not reading it through the lens of how is this leading towards Jesus? How is this about Jesus? Then you're reading it wrong. You're reading it like a Pharisee who searches the scriptures in vain, thinking in them, you can find life. They are there to testify about Jesus. And so how do you understand your Old Testament? It's about Jesus. And what I love about this passage is it actually takes Jesus to open our minds to even see that. That is how supreme he is. So how do you understand your Old Testament? about Jesus. Now, how do you understand Old Testament quotes within your New Testament? Because we're about to go through seven of them. And so we need to understand how the New Testament used the Old Testament. You see, the New Testament quotes the Old Testament or alludes to the Old Testament over a thousand times. These writers had their minds baptized by the Old Testament story and narrative. They knew what it was about. They knew what was going on and they knew that it was leading towards someone. And when they found them, they're like, we're gonna keep quoting it because to shine a light on this person named Jesus Christ. 35 times in Hebrews, they're gonna directly quote the Old Testament. And so when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, it's not the same way we use quotes in our society today when I want to convey information, I might go and find like a good quote. And I just want you to like, this quote is just kind of there to give you like a cute little way to say, or or, or a concise way to say what I already want to communicate. And I don't care if you know the book, I don't care if you know the context, I just think it sounded really cool. That's not how your Bible uses quotes. You see the Bible uses quotes as an invitation to go back and experience the context of what was going on of what they were quoting. And so it works more like an inside joke, okay? If you've ever been a part of an inside joke, you know what it's about. If you've never been a part of an inside joke, like I'm sure people still like you, I'm sure you still have friends, but if you've been a part of an inside joke, you know what it feels like. You walk into a room and all of a sudden, there's a couple of people that you know in that room and they have a shared experience of something that's done before. And so an inside joke, you don't explain the totality of the context, you just say a word or a phrase and everyone who's in on the inside joke begin to understand what you're trying to communicate. So you can walk in and go, hey guys, remember falafels? And like everyone laughs because they know the context of falafels and why falafels was so funny. And that moment where y'all share together, they understand the context. And so if you're in on an inside joke, it makes sense to you. But if you're not in on the inside joke, what do you do? You fake a laugh. We've all been there. And yet for many of us, when we read our Bible and it's inviting us to go backwards and see the Old Testament for all that it is, we feel the way a lot of us feel when we're not in on the inside joke, we feel like awkward, confused. We don't really know what's going on. And so the Bible is inviting us to go backwards, not just for some cute quote, but to see the total context of what it's communicating. And when we see that, we see a greater light being shined on the person of Jesus Christ. And so with all that being said, let's look at Hebrews 1, 5 through 14. As we look at how the Old Testament shows us that Jesus is the better messenger. It says in verse five, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like, like a garment will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Lots of Old Testament. Let's see how it shines a light on Jesus. Why is Jesus the better messenger? First, it's because Jesus is the son of God who fulfills the promises of God. Verse five says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I've begotten you, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. There's an emphasis in this passage right here on son and father, that Jesus is not some random messenger, not some prophet, not some created being, but the unique son of the holy God, the father, that Jesus and the father have a unique relationship. And what we see here in this unique relationship is that Jesus is the means by which God fulfills the promises of God to God's people. Now, where did I get that? Well, because I went back and I read the context of what he's quoting here. Because right here, we see Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7. And Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7 are two highlighting passages in your Old Testament that are shining a light on the fact that Jesus, when he comes, is going to be this promised son of David, of David. In fact, 2 Samuel 7 is one of the most important passages in your Bible. And so a little Bible timeline 101. In the beginning, God creates everything. And at the height of his creation, he creates humans. And the heart of God for his humans was that the human beings, those that were made in the image of God would look like God, but also lead this world alongside God. That a part of our created intent is that God wants to lead this world through us. And yet we know that every single person fell short of the glory of God. And so God enacted a plan in Genesis 3.15 saying, hey, I'm gonna send a savior to come into the world. And so as history progresses, all of a sudden God picks this one individual, Abraham, and Abraham becomes the father of these nations. And at the height of the nation, there's this kingdom. And at the height of the kingdom, God God calls David. Think David and Goliath. Think King David. Think David who wrote the majority of your Psalms. That David. And that David begins to lead God's people as God's anointed king. at the height of that civilization in the golden age of David's reign, David's looking around and going, okay, we're doing it, God. We're leading and I'm leading through you. And so David all of a sudden makes all these promises to God, God, I'm going to do this. 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 And God looks at David and goes, no, 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 no. That's not how this relationship works. And God makes a promise to David and it's called the Davidic covenant one of the most important passages in your Old Testament is 2 Samuel 7, when God says, hey, David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So don't miss what God is promising here. God is looking at King David and saying, hey, David, you're not gonna be the ultimate king, but from you, not your, not your kid, not your grandkid, but you're like, great, 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 like there's a boy coming one day, a man is coming one day and he will sit on your throne. And did you see it? He's gonna sit on the throne forever, forever. What does that mean? How can a human live forever? It's because this human, though he will be the son of David, he's the son of David because he's the son of God, that I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And the entire Old Testament keeps waiting for this promised son to come and to fulfill this promise of God. So much so that by the beginning of your New Testament, the very first sentence in your New Testament, as they declare who Jesus is, you know what they say about him? He's the son of David. He's the one who's come to fulfill the promises of God. Now, what does that mean for us? It means what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all of the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it's through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Jesus is the son of God and the ultimate proof that God fulfills his promise. And he is the means by which God fulfills his promises. This world is constantly promising you stuff. Hey, listen to me and you're gonna live your best life now. Hey, read this book, it's gonna change your life. Hey, follow these five things and you're gonna raise like the perfect kids. It's constantly promising you things and it's over promising and it's under delivering. And Jesus alone is the ultimate proof that God delivers on his promises because he's the one who fulfills the promises of God. So if you find yourself drifting away from the person of Jesus, how do you draw near? You draw near to Jesus by holding on to the promises of God because Jesus is the one who fulfills them. So let me share with you some of my favorite promises. I know when I feel stuck in sin or just kind of going, God, I just feel like I'm doing this thing over and over and over again. And I just feel like my sanctification process is way too slow. Will I ever get over this? Will you ever do that work in me? I just remember Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I know there's times in my life where I feel alone and I feel the pressures of maybe work or home or just life in general are just weighing on me and I just feel isolated. And I'm reminded of the last thing that Jesus says in Matthew 28, that behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Or maybe in hard moments of life, you're just going man how does this all make sense how how, does, how is god going to create good out of this mess i just remember the promise of romans 8:28 and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for our eternal good and god's eternal glory for those who are called according to his purposes or times in my life that there's just hard decisions and I don't know if I should go left or right or up or down. I just remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He's with me. He will lead me in whatever path he wants me to go. I hold on to these promises and by doing so, I hold on to him. Jesus is a better messenger. Cause he's the one who fulfills the promises of God as the very son of God. And that's a lot better than some podcast. So why is Jesus the better messenger? The passage will continue, but he's also the better messenger because he's worthy of worship and he's worthy to be served as God. Verse six says, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all of God's angels worship him. And of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. And so this word right here, firstborn, does not mean the first one born. This shows up a lot in your Bible and people can take that out of context and kind of try to say, hey, Jesus was like the first created being. That is a title of authority. So when a a landowner or someone in the Old Testament or someone in the New Testament, someone, a father that had certain authority and dominion and rights and property, he would declare one of his kids the firstborn. It could be the first one born, it could be the last one. It didn't matter. He was declaring, hey, this one has all of my authority, all of my power, all of my dominion. And God just looked at Jesus and goes, that is my son. My son is the firstborn over everything. And at a certain point, he's gonna enter into this world and God commands his angels in Deuteronomy 32, when he comes into the world, you better worship him. Let all God's angels worship him. And so if you think what happened, when little baby Jesus was in the manger, what were the angels doing? They were worshiping him. I thought only God received worship. Bingo. The angels worship this guy. And not only do they worship him, they do his will. They serve him because he makes his angels wins. That's their spiritual beings and his ministers of flame, of fire. That's that their ability to carry out the justice of God. This is a quote right here from Psalm 104. And if you read the verses above it, what you see in Psalm 104 is this is about the grandness and the majesty of God. And a part of that grandness and majesty is, you know, these angels, these beings that people, when they saw angels in the Bible, they wanted to worship the angels because they were so glorious and so powerful. And the angels were always like, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, get up, don't, 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 don't. Do not do that. These angels serve Jesus. And so Jesus is better because all of the angels worship him and serve him as God. This passage is trying to get us to understand that angels don't sit supreme, they're servants. God sits supreme. So all these messages we hear constantly. So many people wanna Lord information over you. And what they should be doing is bowing their knees to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and solely pointing you to him because he's the better messenger. And so how do we keep from drifting? How do we keep from drifting to going to these lesser messengers? Well, we worship and we serve this Jesus. We worship constantly. We worship what we value. And you hear it all the time. Man, have you seen this? Have you watched this? Have you read this? Have you listened to this? We're constantly bringing validation and worship to the things we see as valuable. And I know for me that when I know I'm starting to drift is when I'm saying that about all these other things, some show I'm watching on Netflix or some blog I read, and I'm not saying it about the person of Jesus Christ when I am overwhelmingly looking around and going, guys, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? And I'm not saying, have you seen him? I know I'm drifting, but I know that I am drawing near when I'm looking around at friends and families and community and going, guys, have y'all seen this? And so one of my favorite things these past couple weeks is, we've had our institute kind of kick off. And one of the things that we do is we go through the Old Testament and we begin in that Luke 24, 44 and 45 passage saying, hey, the entire thing's about Jesus. And so as you read it, look for him. And one of my favorite things is we have this text chain and they're going back and forth multiple times a day, multiple times a week, and they're just saying the same thing. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen Jesus here? They're bringing celebration and honor and worth. They are worshiping him. And from worshiping him comes serving him. You get out of yourself and you begin to live a life that he's calling us to do. And so why is Jesus the better messenger? It's because he's the only one that's worthy of worship and to be served like God, because he is God. Why is he the better messenger? Well, because he's also the eternal king. This isn't a king giving a message to someone for them to deliver it to the people. This is the king himself, the sovereign over everything. But of the son, he says, your throne O God is forever and ever. The scepter of uprighteousness, uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond all of your companions. This right here is Psalm 45, declaring the final triumph of the son of David, the Messiah, the son of God. And you're receiving a message, not from some random messenger, but from God himself, from the King himself. And so what I love about this passage right here is we actually get a window into what type of King Jesus would be. He's one that would be eternal. Your throne O God is forever and ever. You don't fade away. You're always gonna be here. You're always gonna be consistent. I can always turn to you. The scepter of uprighteousness is the scepter of your kingdom that we see a God who is mighty and powerful. Your scepter is one of uprighteousness. Your scepter is over your kingdom. But then we also see a king that is full of justice and holiness. You've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And yet all of this simultaneously, we see a king who is joyful and glad. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond all of your companions. So what type of king are we listening to? He's one who's mighty, who's powerful, who's strong who's just, who's holy, who's perfect, yet simultaneously is generous, is glad, is loving. And where everything else fades, this king won't. Because that's where the passage continues. You, Lord, you've laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment will be changed, but you are the same and your years have no end. Right here is a quote from Psalm 102, which is a lament Psalm. The person writing is looking around at the world and going, gosh, everything that I had is fading. Everything I put worth in is gone. But then they look up and they see Jesus and they go, okay, but but you're not, you're here, you're consistent. And I can go to you and I can cling to you because you're the one who is unchanging. You're the eternal king. And so let's do a little exercise in here. I want you to think of the thing in your life right now that if it's not Jesus that you're tempted to cling to, that you're tempted to run to, make the most superior thing in your life. That thing that kind of occupies the throne room in your life. You got it? Well, Let's fill in the blank. You Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. My job, my money, my grades, my accomplishments, everything that I have will perish, but you will remain. Everything will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll everything up like a garment. Everything will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. He is simply the better messenger, the one that we should be drawing near to because he is our eternal king. We're not hearing a message from some podcaster. We're not hearing a message from some Christian self-help guru. We're hearing a message from the sovereign from the king of the universe. And so Jesus is the better messenger because he is the son of God. He's worthy of worship and he's worthy of service and he's our eternal king. And all this is leading towards one climatic end is that Jesus sits supreme over all. He sits supreme over everything. It says in verse 13, to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That's Psalms 110. That's the most quoted Old Testament Psalm in your New Testament. In fact, when Jesus was asked, hey, what's your identity? What are you all about? He said this. He said, you know what I'm about? I'm the Sovereign." I'm the king, I'm the one who sits supreme over everything. And Philippians two will say that there is coming a moment where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we as Christians will bow willingly, but even his enemies will have to bow before the majesty of Jesus. And they will bow so low that Jesus will put up his feet on them. That is the supremacy of Christ. He is a better messenger. And when you begin to see him that way, angels, podcast, Christian self-help guru, celebrity pastor, if they're not pointing you to Jesus, they're pointing you to themselves, and that's demonic. Because the better one has come. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Angels, they stand and they serve, but the son, he sits and he rules. Everything is subservient to Jesus. So God desired to send a messenger. And that tells us that God has a message to give us. And the beautiful part about our God is that there's just certain messages that you have to deliver in person. And so last story. It's a couple years ago when my wife and I were dating, she moved to Tennessee, I moved to Dallas. And oh, how I wish Dallas was in Tennessee. Moved Texas East and she'd be here with me, right? But we were months apart. So we texted, we called, we had a standing evening Skype date. And we, we would just kind of Skype together. And sometimes we would have us in one screen and we would watch Lost in the other screen because that was really big at the time. But then the night would end and we would close down the computer and we were still apart. And it was in that season that I began to know I wanted to tell her something. And it was so important that I wasn't gonna do it over text I wasn't going to do it over a phone call. I wasn't going to do it over Skype. It was so important I had to say it in person. So I woke up one morning and I traveled 14 hours from Dallas to Tennessee. And when we were supposed to get together on our standing Skype date, she heard a surprise knock at the door. And it was me. It was the first time in my life that I told anyone I love you. I wasn't going to say that over the phone. Some messages that just have to be done in person. God had a message for you and his message was actually the messenger. And the messenger came and declared for God, so loved the world that he sent a messenger his very son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish like everything else will, but have eternal life. God wanted to deliver a message to you and it was so good that he had to do it in person. And the message was simply that he loves you and he's made a way for you because he's so loved. So if you're tempted to draw away, man, draw near. Because the better messenger has arrived. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time!